Wonderful. Good morning, everybody. Fantastic. If you've got a Bible, uh, head for Ephesians 4. If you haven't, get your phone out. Don't play solitaire. Try and get your Bible open. It's, uh, I just want to do a bit of a portion of Scripture uh, this morning, and, uh, and then we're going to pray together, and, and we're done. Is that okay? And so it's Ephesians 4. If you can get your eyes on a Bible, that would really help you. Um, I'm sure uh, that you'll uh, uh, be able to keep up whether you can or can't, but it just might help to see the Scripture and be able to connect with it. Is that all right? Um, wow. So, uh, family gatherings. Uh, uh, half of the houses are going to be here. Like Andrew says, parking will be better because there'll be half the amount of people in here. Um, and to, you know, with the, uh, with the new formal pastoral structure, please know that we know that informal pastoring often works better than the formal. Okay, you all have relationships, we're all called to help each other, right? And so there'll be relationships that you've built, and you know, even now you might spend more time with someone who, who advises you and you respect, and, uh, and who isn't your pastor? Well, you know, all those things we know will continue, but if the informal structure of friendships and connections with mature Christians and people that know us and have spoken into our lives for years meets the formal structure, we create a net and hopefully catch everybody. Does that make sense? So we realize that they're overlapping, but nobody understand this. And this is how God feels about key things in the Bible, like the Sabbath. He, he essentially uses this sort of phrase. I'm Jared Cooperizing it, okay. But he says essentially, look, the plan is made for the people, not the people for the plan. So understand with all these things we're doing, the most important thing is not the plan or the principle, but the people. And the plan serves us so that we can hopefully move forward as a family. Is that all right? But you are the most important thing, and God is, just to make sure we're theologically okay. Uh, uh, but we do stuff to hopefully keep us organized, because uh, as soon as you go over about 70 or 80 people in the church, you do have to be organized at least a little bit, because it really helps. So, um, but please, uh, we understand you're going to have all sorts of connections and relationships across the region, and that's wonderful. I would ask if you can be in the correct family gathering, that would be really helpful. Uh, just to help embed some of what's going on. And you might find, I pray that you find, even if you're well set up with good mentoring and advice relationships, I hope that everything that we're doing will be a good addition to that too. Amen? So um, that's wonderful. Uh, right, Ephesians 4, let's do some. I've got nothing up here but my Bible and a PowerPoint. So we're going to just do a bit of scripture, and I want to talk to you about who you are. And by the time you leave this building 40 minutes from now, I want you to have worked out who you are. Is that okay? It's really important, and it's really important because of the first verse in Ephesians 4. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, which is, you know, he was in prison while writing these things, the Apostle Paul. Um, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Whisper to yourself, I've got a calling. And then tell yourself, live it. Don't miss it. Don't muck up. Don't mess around. Live a life worthy of the calling you received. Because then it goes on to say, be humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
Uh, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit. Just as you were called to one Spirit, you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Verse 7, but to each one of us, everybody whisper, that includes me. So this is about you, okay? To each one of us, grace has been given. So you've got a call and you have a grace from heaven. Are you with me? Each one of us. Now, here's the thing. Why has he just gone on about unity? It's because the grace on every one of us is different. Example, we just had 15 minutes of spontaneous worship. Half the room were going, oh, Jesus, I know what to do in a moment like this. Yes, yes, yes. The other half are going, I wonder when the next song will be. Not because you're wrong, but you're wired different. Turn to the person next to you and whisper, you're really different. And then whisper back, yeah, but you're weird. You've got a different call and you've got a different grace from heaven. But listen, who gave you that grace? The, the, the circumstances of your birth, your parents, your household? No, Christ himself gave you grace before the beginning of the world. He said, I need one of them. I need one of those. I need three of them. I only need half one of them, but I can't do half a person. So, you know, there's grace for your life. And we've got to find the unity of the Spirit in amongst the fact that we're all really different. We're all Weird. Some of us more than others. To each one of us, grace has been given as, uh, given as Christ apportioned it. That's why he said when he ascended on high, that's Jesus rising from the dead and then ascending to sit at the right hand of the Father. Get the picture of this. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Imagine this. Jesus didn't just die to forgive you and give you eternal life. When he died, it goes on about descending and ascending. There's a complicated next verse. Basically, my explanation will sum it up. Jesus went down into the depths when he died. Then he rose from the grave. Then he ascended on high and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Not just so you could be forgiven, even though that's awesome. Not just so that you've got eternal life with God. That's incredible. But also, he sat at the right hand of the Father and he began to pour out gifts upon every single one. I need one of them. Five of them. Three of them. I need one in Hazel. I need one in Cottingham. I I need a David and a Marion and a Jenny and I need a Bert and I need a Caleb and I need a Keith and a Christine even though she didn't want to sign up for anything I need <laughs> I know what you mean but we'll get him in the end don't worry we're breaking him down slowly I even need an Anne I just even an even a Lucy even a Steve Pete and Inga Jesus sat on his throne and, and th there's a wonderful translation um, that says, yeah, it's, it's Ephesians 2.10. I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants here. But it says that you are God's work of art, which could also be translated, you're God's poem. And some translators have also said, it means you are a word from heaven. You 
are a message from heaven. You are a word. It's more powerful than just words on a page or just a thought. It's you are the, the very thing that God made the world with. You are. He sat down at the right hand of the Father and spoke one of you into being from the very throne of heaven at his highest place of authority. It goes on to say in the next verse, in order that he might fill the whole universe, he poured out gifts of grace called you and me. Somebody say, wow. Somebody look impressed. Somebody say it backwards. Wow. He poured out one of you. Why? Well, in order that he might fill the whole universe. When he fills the whole universe, remember in Genesis 1, um, God is talking to Adam and Eve and telling them what to do and blessing them. He says, fill the whole earth and subdue it. Rule. So when it says that Jesus ascended so that he could fill, it means, do you know why you exist? So the world is subdued by God's goodness. So your school is subdued by the goodness of God. Comes under the rulership of the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't mean, Darren and Rachel, that you have to become the head teacher. It just means because you're there as salt and light. That God will bring blessing to a place or to a hospital or to a ward or to a classroom or to a workplace because you exist. To a nation because you exist. He is filling the world with the grace gift of you. So who are you? Do you know yet? There's nothing more, more, more powerful than somebody who knows what they're called to do and what their grace is. If you don't, you'll be a Christian that sings the songs and sits in church, but you're completely powerless. No sense of identity. And the devil doesn't mind that because they kind of do nothing. They, they think this church thing is about turning up once on a Sunday, family gatherings, pastoral houses, and singing the songs. But come on, it isn't, is it? Oh, I tell you, I woke up this morning with a fire on me. I'm surprised I'm even bothering to preach. I feel like lying on the floor right now. So we're going to try and get into prayer as quick as possible. God's in this room. But I just feel maybe what he wants to do is connected to what I felt to say. And I did a little PowerPoint for, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Knowing it would be incredible, wouldn't it? And this is what he said he did. He, um, uh, verse 11, so Christ himself, I've got that one up here. Oh, I'll point it that way. Most of you can't read that anyway, so here we go. I'll do it from down here. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. Everybody whisper, I'm meant to work. Everybody whisper it. Keith, you're meant to work. You're, you're meant to sign up for stuff, Keith. It's in the Bible. Christine's wrong. We're right. Sign up. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean we're met, we have to be on the road. So what it means is you have to be in that classroom bringing the kingdom of God. You have to in that doctor's surgery be bringing the kingdom of God. You have to at the reception desk or at that McDonald's counter be bringing the kingdom of God. Wherever he puts you, in that home, you bring the kingdom of God. On your street, you bring the kingdom of God. Everything you say, everything you do, the way you treat the waitress is bringing the kingdom of God. It's all bringing the kingdom, right? So there's something on you that your grace has got to bring to the world. And if not, the world is starved of clarity and power and confidence and someone to turn to in a moment of grief. We carry something, right? Huh. He gave these people to equip God's people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. Listen to this verse. Until we all reach, is it there? Yeah, it is. Until we all reach unity. Everybody say unity. 
unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, knowing Jesus. And become mature. Somebody whisper, become mature. Now whisper it to your husband right now. Grow up. Go on. You know you want to. Grow up and sign up. That's what you want to say, Christine. Become mature. Attaining. This is just the most incredible phrase. And the Ephesians, the, 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 the theologians call it the Alps of the Epistles. Listen to this phrase. Somehow, do you think we can get here? Well, we should do because it says it in the Bible. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ if we get that Jesus Christ himself didn't just save you but poured out grace gifts on all of us and we all need to be activated in our grace gifts and when we do, we become mature in faith, full in faith, mature in our knowledge of the Son of God. We start to actually know Jesus, not just church because grace is flowing. Not just my ability but something he puts on you for others which doesn't come from you. It flows through you from the very throne of God somebody and the end result if we get it right is that we will begin to be the full measure of the stature of Christ in the earth if we get this right so I don't know about you I want to get it right let me read the rest of the scripture then I'll, I'll kind of rip it open a bit then we'll no longer be infants oh infantile Christianity tossed back and forth that's what it looks like no real mindset. Ear one minute, gone the next. By the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, all conspiracy theories, crazy ideas. And by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Yes, there are people who are deceitful. Instead, speaking the truth. Oh boy, I'm reading a book at the moment called Live No Lies. Anybody follow Jordan Peterson's stuff, the Canadian psychologist? Uh, very uh, cultural Christian, not a born-again Christian, I wouldn't say. I think his daughter's just become a born-again Christian. But, but he would say one of the worst things you can do in life is live lies. Always tell the truth. But even when you, you can't fully tell the truth, because that's inappropriate sometimes, isn't it? Just make sure you are definitely not telling or living a lie. I find English Christians can be the worst liars in that kind of passive, I can't quite be honest. You know, like we're all shocked and giggle naughtily when Andrew goes, that person that you hate. But some of you do. And you need to look in the mirror and go, I need to deal with my heart because I do hate that person. <laughs> Come on, let's be real. We're sitting here pretending that we've never hated anybody. I have. Just thought that went down well. I think we'll move on before I name the person. Anyway, spe spe <laughs> ah, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body is joined and held together by whatever supporting ligament supplies, growing and building itself up in love as each part does its work. We all got to do our work. So here you get this sense of purpose, grace, leadership, unity, maturity, and fullness all being wrapped up in this awesome scripture. It's, it's an incredible one, isn't it? Um, and here's what Paul is describing. He, he, part of what he's saying is that Jesus poured out um, types of leaders, 
as grace gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? But I don't really want to talk about leadership today because um, uh, if you're a room full of leaders, we could go deep into that. But I, I want to I stretch that even further. The reason why you have apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is because everyone in this room, just like we could probably go, you know what? A third of you are extroverts and a third of you are introverts and a third of you are kind of some weird combination of the two. Anybody? Who's an intra-extrovert? Anybody here? Yeah, you started to get some of it. There's some of it I get and some of it I really don't. And just like some of you, we put you through insights, which show some of you are in the insights personality field. Some of you are red, some of you are green, some of you are blue. It's the way we see and interact with the world. People whose personalities are red in the, it's not Christian, but it's good psychology. Some of you are red, prefer to be in charge and making decisions, and it stresses you out when you're not. Those of you that are yellow have 10 ideas before breakfast. Anybody like that in the room? Then we got the blue. People actually love spreadsheets, right? They're of the devil as far as I'm concerned, but some of you love them. You become accountants and you become people that do, and you write policies and the rest of us think you're crazy, but we'd be lost without you. Our accounts would be in a mess, right? Uh, uh, and what, what have you got? You, you get a green, green, green. See the world from a very relational way. And they always think that red people who see things as projects and plans and things to action and do are, uh, they even call them bullies sometimes when the green is really operating as highly relational versus someone that's highly vision driven. Here's another one. It's a man and a woman thing. You ready? Some of you won't agree with it. I don't care. <laughs> I've read a scripture about unity. You have to love me. <laughs> now, with, with personality types, there isn't really a stereotype, is there, in the extremes of personality, I don't think. But in the main, women are more into people. And when I say in the, me in the main, I mean 60 to 70% would be more leaning towards people and relational. But in the main, men are 60 to 70% more into things. Not 100%. There's loads of women that are really into things more than people. And there's loads of men that are into more relationships and people than into things. But in the main, we lean to different sides. And so in this room, there'd be a real, a real mix. But you'd find we'd probably go, there'd be a lot of men in the room connected with the thought of them really into things. That's why men are into cars and video games. And, 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 and the women, apparently, this is just psychology, the, 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 the women are more into people. God bless you. We'd be lost without it, right? Because they have little people and that helps us all survive. Right? <laughs> now, just in the same way that we look at psychology and people types and introvert and extrovert and different colors and who am I and you can go and do all that kind of stuff. I believe the body of Christ has five-fold types in them. So in this room, there's a, there's a percentage of you that are apostles. You're not apostles, but you're apostolic. And you get activated when you're around apostles or apostolic stuff. A whole load of you in this room are prophetic. You are the ones going, oh, I love free worship. They love spontaneous, just flow. It's all feeling. The, the prophetic people love that. And there's maybe, I don't know, a fifth of you in the room like that. Really get it. Then you get evangelists who wonder why we're even here anyway. We should just be out there saving the lost. There's a load of you. Uh, you some of you, your pulse began to race as Keith talked about Alpha. It's because you've got an evangelistic wiring in you. Who are you? That's what we're getting to, remember. Pastors, again, obviously you see the world through relationships and people and caring. And 
and then teachers who see the world through information. We'll go into that in a minute. Listen, we are all different. And here's the, good heavens, where's the time gone? Here's the moral of this morning. Here's the main point. Know who you are, be who you are, and live a life worthy of what Jesus poured into you. Come on, live it, live it. Live it. You don't have to be a pastor to be pastoral. You don't have to be an evangelist to be evangelistic. But at some point, we have to go, this is what God gave me. And I'm going to begin to run in the fullness of what he's put in my life. And you'll find grace and joy. Listen, you'll find anointing there. Many of you, oh, I'm, I'm quite sure there are some people in the room that look at people like me that do ministry. And we get all hot and sweaty and excited and prophetic and bubbling over and on fire. And some of you go, I've never, ever felt that in my life. Do you know why? Because you don't minister in your grace gift. As soon as you put a group of people in front of me, I start to burn up because what I encounter is connected to what I do. Right? Musician. It's pointless being a musician sat in a room playing on your own. The moment the right group is in front of you, something in your heart will begin to stir. The moment, If you're pastoral, the moment you have someone to care for, you have the chance of an encounter with God. What you do lines you up with your encounter. This is why it's so important. You cannot separate your calling from your relationship with God. He saved you and he made you to do a purpose. It's not enough to say, I'm saved, but I don't do what he tells me to do. You must do it. That was Abraham's faith to go in the calling he had. And that faith in the calling saved him. You can't just have faith in the forgiveness. You've got to have faith in what he's called you to do. And that is righteousness from heaven. So we mustn't compartmentalize it in the way we do uh, in these modern days. So, hey, here we go. Are you ready? Bit of fun. You can't even see that. Shall I, I'll stick this on Facebook later. But these are my notes, okay? And I'm going to go through. You should be on here somewhere. Now, just before I, I go into it, let me, let me, oh, I'm getting all excited. Let me break it down a little bit. That You are probably, very few people are 100% one of these lines. You've got apostolic prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral teacher. Very few people are 100% aligned. You're normally 60% on one of them and 40 on the other. Or 80% on one of them and what's the 20% on the other. <laughs> CSE grade four in maths. Um, that's why you never let me near a spreadsheet, right? But you're on here. The grace gifts poured out from heaven. Do you know you and are you living a life worthy of the calling you've been given and the grace, that means the power you've been given. Let me go through it, shall we? Apostolic, your core driver is grand divine strategies. You love to think translocal. Rob Pritchard is apostolic. He's like, here's an idea. How could we transform a region? How could we, how, let's set up some things. And Now, in church circles, you, you do church planting and projects, but it can go out into, into all sorts of spheres. The apostolic is driven by the sense of the grand design of God. The prophetic, to know and experience God's heart. And some of you that are prophetic in the room, your, your pulse rises ever so slightly when you hear it talked about. The evangelistic, reach the lost. That's, that's what we're here to do. And so you walk around going, somebody should be doing Alpha. Why is nobody doing Alpha? Let's get more people doing Alpha. Why is not more people getting saved? Listen, activate the calling. Stop expecting the guy at the front to do it. Do it. That's church. 
Don't expect someone else to organize it. Pastoral, love and care for people. Teacher, to instruct and equip. You want to see people growing in knowledge and understanding. So, I, 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 let's see if you get this one. Now, we all stand on the mountain of God, get the picture with me, and we face the world we face from a slightly different perspective, but we're all on the mountain of God. The apostolic faces the plan and the strategy of God. The prophetic faces the presence of God more than any other ministry. Prophet literally means to rise up before the face of God and be before him and then declare it out. That's what the word prophetic means, the word prophet means. The evangelist just faces the lost. They're facing outward. So if the prophet is facing God's very presence, the evangelist is facing the lost. Pastoral is facing the people and the teacher is facing the scriptures. Which one stirs you the most? A teacher will generally like information and agendas. The prophetic types will love the spontaneous. That's why I'm up here with no notes today. I like it. It excites me. It activates my gift to go, ooh, no notes. You know, I came and I thought maybe I should write a few things down this morning. And then I realized I forgot my pen. So I went to Vicky. He always carries a pen. I said, Vicky, have you got, can I borrow your pen? Oh, I haven't got my pen. So Leonie was sat there. Oh, you can borrow my pen. Then Leonie couldn't find hers. And I thought, well, that's God then. Because that's how prophetic people think. I'm not meant to have any notes. Let's do it. (laughs) And God begins to move when you know who you are. Now, I know that what I've just said will make every teacher in the room feel uncomfortable. Almost in their bad sinful state, you know, because some people are sinful sometimes. They'll think I'm irresponsible. But I'm not. I've been preparing this message for 51 years. Okay, so there's no lack of preparation. Right? Uh, But every time we go spontaneous, all the prophetic people in the room light up. Now, here's the thing. Understand, you might be 80% teacher, but listen, you need to learn to activate that 10 or 20% in all of us that is prophetic. Just like everybody needs to do the work of an evangelist. Come on, you've got 5 or 10% in you that can do it. So don't just sit there going, well, I only do this, and that becomes my defensive huddle. No, 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 we can do it all. Every one of us is called to love people. We're all pastoral. But some of us find it easier. You know, some of us, after a Sunday service, who goes home and goes, I want to meet more people? (laughs) We're a highly introverted church, I've just realized. Um, We we gather in flocks, maybe. No, but some will go. I just, I want to be around people. They just stir me up. I finish a Sunday service. I've had a hundred tiny conversations. And then I get home going, don't show me anyone else. I'm exhausted. It's just different wiring, but all of us can love. I'm an introvert. You wouldn't believe it when I preach, but I'm an introvert in my personality. But you can be an immature introvert or a mature introvert. A mature introvert knows, right, Cooper, pull yourself together, go and have a hundred little conversations. Take some extra energy with you because it's going to deplete you more than it will your mum, who will talk to a hundred people, then ask for a hundred more. And I'm like, oh, mother, shut up. You know, heaven's sake. So listen, introverts, if you want to have good relationships, you've got to know, right, I need to give myself to people for the next 20 minutes or for that evening, I need to give myself. And everything in you is dreading meeting up with people. Is it? Oh, why did we invite them round? Oh, I don't feel like it now. Do you ever do that? Why did we agree to go? Then what happens when you leave? 80% of the time you come away going, I'm so glad we did that. Because the enemy's working to separate us. 
through not understanding our idiosyncrasies and how to work you. Okay, so we all face different things and we have to understand each other. Evangelists, we're not all facing the lost. Uh, prophetic people, we're not all just head in heaven having experiences. Let's look at some of the key words. Apostolic people in the room. You love big ideas, strategies, mobilizing the many, overseeing churches or kingdom projects. You love that whole strategy thing. But prophetic people in the room, you think it's all about encounters and experiences. And you, every time I talk about the house of prayer, you're like, oh, yes, hallelujah. And all the teachers are like, oh, what do we need to pray more? We need more Bible knowledge. That's what we need, you know. But it's just differences. Uh, 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 how's the prayer? Correcting, protecting, intercession, feeling, sensing, dreaming, seeing. It's how you're wired. And listen, it's good. Just do it maturely, right? Evangelistic. It's just reach the lost, reach the lost, reach the lost. More people getting saved. Like a combine harvester heading out there. Pastoral, care, comfort, counsel, advise, provide. Support. It's, it's, it's all very well having grand ideas, Jared, but the people need to be loved and feel loved. And a bit of me goes, yeah, whatever. But another bit goes, you know, you know that's me in my unregenerate, yeah, but I'm, I'm tired, I'm out of energy. But the truth is, no, you're right. We need more hugs. Sometimes hugs will do what no church service can ever do. Sometimes just sit and be listened to over a coffee is the grace of God that flows through. Never belittle going out for a coffee, mum. It's as important as Sunday morning ministry. It's how you're wired. Do what you're supposed to do more. Don't make others do what you're supposed to do just because you see it's a need. You see it's a need because you're wired to fulfill the need. This is a mobilization morning this morning. You're the one wired to do it. That's why you see it. That's why it upsets you. Because you're the one wired to do it. Will the church organize that? No, do it. Shut up, I won't organize another thing. Some churches even now, you know, with a whole small group system, some churches are going, no, we won't organize any more small groups until everybody grows up and starts inviting each other for meals and just does it like a normal family would do. Come on. Oh, they, they weren't with me on that one, Matt. I lost them on that. Teacher, explain, train, study, knowledge, equip, understand. That's the key words. And here's the thing. So you, you can go through it. They're activated by, let's leave that one out. But there are things that are going to activate your anointing. And you can go read them. Common personality traits. This is fun. See if you can notice yourself. Now, this isn't theology, this bit. This is my observation of, you know, 50-odd years in church. And some of them were very odd. Um, Common personality traits, apostolic, quite driven, sometimes very driven, and want to change the world significantly. If that's you, you've got apostolic wiring in there. You may never become an apostle. Probably most won't. But there should be a fifth of you in the room. Should we say, I don't know, very approximately, that are going, yeah, come on. Let's make sure. I, I, I love to use language like, if Jesus was here and it was only three months to save all of Hull and East Yorkshire, what would he do? That's apostolic thinking. What would he stop doing that he realizes it's just a waste of time? It's all fluff. What would he start doing? That's apostolic thinking. The prophetic people, um, often introvert. Not always, but very often introvert. This is why uh, prophetic people have to learn to become mature introverts. But here's the thing. You are activated and refreshed by solitude. 
You have to have contemplative time with God. That's the prophetic. Now, it might only be 20% of you, but you know, in order to keep that grace activated and moving in you, oh, I've got to get alone. I've got to get away from strong opinions and interference. That's a big one. I've got to get away from everybody telling me what I should do, and I've got to hear God. It's what puts fuel inside you, right? Uh, love solitude is restored by being alone in worship and intimacy with God. Evangelistic. Opposite, usually extrovert. Not always. Some evangelists are, are more into things, even though they're really into the lost, because they, they're really into the projects that they do. But if you meet a, a full, genuine evangelist, they're extroverts and love people. And here's the thing. Very often, if the stronger their sense of being evangelistic is, the less they'll want to be contemplative. They're just not, come on, no, let's be busy. Let's get on with it. An evangelist come up to me, what's all this thinking? What's all this waiting on the Lord nonsense, Jared? Come on, let's do more. I've literally had emails like that. That we should not be complative. I can't even say it. You know the word I'm trying to say. Just get on with it. And it's right. But it can also be wrong. Do you understand what I mean? Pastoral, often extrovert, loves being with people. Loves hospitality. (laughs) Highly relational. Teacher. Introvert, restored by solitude and study. Nothing better than a a table with all books open. Or, and this might be the way you express it because you're not fully in teaching mode, but it's in your wiring. Loves all the spreadsheets open and all the detail, and we just got to get it right. That's a teacher anointing. So you're going to activate it and push it. Wow, we really are out of time, aren't we? So let me just do the, the last little bit. I'll, I'll stick that on Facebook, and if anybody wants it, come and ask me, and I'll email it you uh, if you want to just look through it more. But come on, apostolic people in the room, we need you to be brave and start planning great exploits for God, right? Along with other apostolic people in Revive. There's a world to reach and restore. Prophetic people, get into the house of prayer. Rise in intercession. Be powerful in declaration. Hear God clearly. Share what God says often. Journal your dreams. Train others in God's presence. Protect us in prayer. Prophetic people, be activated. Don't spend your time, prophetic people, trying to be teachers. Just hang around teachers. Evangelistic, go on, reach the lost. This is why I asked Keith to just get up and share a few things about the Russian girls that are doing Alpha right now. Start Alpha courses. Let Or something to reach the lost. Here's, here's, when evangelistic anointing is going wrong, there's lots of talk of we should be getting people saved. We should be getting people saved. We, we should... We should be bringing more people to church. And I often go, so when's the last time you brought someone to church? You're the one actually anointed to do it more than anyone else in the room. When you start doing it, it releases something in all of us. It equips us all to do the work of an evangelist. So come on, evangelists, rise up and begin to lead the charge. Because when the evangelistic valve in the engine is functioning, it begins to spread through the whole body. When the prophetic people are properly functioning, the whole body becomes more prophetic. When the pastoral people are functioning, We all become more caring and loving. There's a grace released to each other and through each other from heaven when we begin to activate. Pastoral people, come on, care for us. Gather the prodigals. That's why we've set up this new pastoral system, is to recognize people. Now, they might not all be 100% pastoral, but they have a strong pastoral ability. Some of you might go, that person's probably more 60% teacher, 30% pastor, and 10% prophetic, but there's enough pastoral gift to care for people and advise and support. 
So that's why we set these things up, hopefully to release it, but there's many more of you that are. And teacher, fall in love with the Bible, right? Study it, learn it, find outlets to teach, train, equip, and explain in person. Write books, write blogs, etc., etc. It goes in. Listen, you have a call from heaven on you. What is it? Begin to activate it. Amen.